0: Are now, are now listening, listening, to listening to The War, the Report. War Report, Wednesday, Wednesday Night, Night War, War. Room. Room. With your host, host
1: c It's your boy, Caesar Walker. I got
2: my boys with me.
0: Mike. Mike. G-G. G-G.
2: Get your weight up, strength and conditioning, development.
0: Ice Jones. Stop thinking with
1: your emotions and
0: watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you you ready? ready? Because we are now locked and loaded loaded for the Wednesday
1: Wednesday Night War Room. Let's go! War Eagle, War Eagle Auburn family, thanks again for tuning in to the latest and greatest Wednesday Night War Room. And listen, for those of you who are invested in building this community, we need your help. One of the things that you can do to help us grow this community is share the video, guys. Please be sure to share it on your social media using hashtag GetYourWeightUp. This is that time of the year where people are looking, searching high and low for Auburn content. Be the plug for them. Help those guys out. Share that video. Help us to grow this thing so it can continue to be awesome. Christian, how are you, man?
3: I'm good. I'm really happy to be on the show. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing well. Doing well. I, I think things are picking up for you guys over there. I'm I'm sure.
3: They are. It's been it's been a little quiet. You know, it was very quiet over the summer. Um little quiet the past couple of days, you know, with the whole COVID situation with Auburn football, but it's really starting to ramp up now. We're getting really close to football season, getting pretty excited about it. Good deal. Good deal.
1: Well speaking of COVID, Harson had a Zoom call with the press. And we can go ahead and get into that. We're not going to waste any time. Had a few statements that he made regarding his current status. Uh, As we know, Derek Mason did return this week and made some comments via social media about his sentiments towards COVID. And Harson made some statements as well addressing the media. And he did talk about the second scrimmage. And he added a little mm. detail about that. And some of the things that I that I definitely want to jump in on this, he said that the first team offense actually did a pretty good job on third down conversions. Now, a little note here, last year, Auburn was around the 45% on third down conversions last year. Now, uh-huh. we know this is just one scrimmage, but that sounds encouraging when you hear the numbers. And that was one of the things that he led with talking about the offense. Uh, B-Will, what are your thoughts on that, man?
0: Well, him focusing on third down conversion means he knows how bad we were at it previously. So that's good. And the reports that we get from scrimmages, right? So we hear, hey, this guy made a play because we don't get to see it. Very few people get to see it. So we hear reports and we hear who messed up, who flashed, who had a really good play here or there. But- We didn't know the circumstances that they put them in. So what it sounds like with him making those comments is that they are putting them in these situations that they are not good at, which is what we kind of thought, specifically to see if they're learning and getting better at. And um, he mentioned actually having a better view because he, I guess they had like a bird's eye view camera or drone or whatever it was that allows him to see more of what's going on on each play, uh, more than he can see on the ground. So if he was encouraged... He knows the setup. He knows whatever script they gave, you know, the offense and defense to kind of put them in a situation where they had to show something. And if he's pleased with that progress, then, you know, far be it for for us who are not inside those rooms and and doing all that scripting to make a judgment that it was a terrible scrimmage. If he's pleased with it, then I'm pleased with it. And um, one thing that we are kind of finding out about Harson is that he will not mince words. He's just going to say what he's actually thinking. And if it was a bad practice or a bad scrimmage, I actually kind of have confidence that he would have said that. So if he's not saying that, then that gives me the idea that, okay, you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. I like it. Christian, uh,
1: talk to me about this. This was one of the bugaboos last year for Auburn. And we know that the strength of Auburn the past few years has been the defense. Well, you don't want that defense living on the field throughout the game because you know as the game goes on, they have a tendency to wear out. So talk to me about the emphasis on third down conversions as it pertains to Brian Harson's plan to play a little bit of ball control and utilize the downhill running attack. How critical is it to win third down, in your opinion, with this Auburn offense?
3: Yeah I think it's huge and I would say even looking at you know first and second down they really want to get to third and short because they want to rely on Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, Jarquez Hunter, those guys where they're going to be really good especially when you look at that offensive line they're better at run blocking they're just they're not quite up there pass blocking yet so you want to make life as easy as possible for Bo Nix and getting to the third and short will do that like you touched on uh, completing third downs those are obviously huge I mean this defense is really, really good, but it can only hold up for so long. So completing those third downs and being successful there will be huge for Auburn this year.
1: Mike Jeek, what goes on in your mind when you hear that coming from Brian Harson as he talks about this second scrimmage? Uh,
2: yeah, to be clear, I don't believe a damn thing he says in any of these press conferences <laughs> really as concerns <laughs> to play and who's doing what. Uh, all that's going to matter is what he puts out on the field. So I'll be watching that. Uh, in terms of What he talked about at third down, you know, again, there has been some situational, let's put these guys in this situation. I think that these guys looked at the data, they looked at the stats, they looked at the numbers, and they looked at the film and said, this is where we need to get better. So you start putting these guys in these situational positions, which isn't unusual, it's not groundbreaking, it's just something that coaches do. Um, And he's been stressing, especially for the QB position, decision-making, right? So here's what happens. If you're not great on third down, You put your QB in these situational things where he has to work on that decision-making. And to Christian's point, the decisions that have to be made in third and short versus third and eight, third and nine, third and 10 are a lot easier. So they want to stay out of that because you know what? The decision to hand the ball to Tank Bigsby on third and two (laughs) is a lot easier than the decision to go through multiple reads, figure out where to uh, whether to run or keep it or do whatever on third and eight. We found ourselves in a lot of third and eights last year. And, you know, for a struggling offensive line, now I don't know if they'll be struggling when the season starts, but they struggled in pass protection last year. You've got to believe the defenses are going to pin their ears and come back, uh, come after them if we are in too many of those third and eights. So that's going to be job- Number one is stay, you know, win first and second down and stay out of third and long, whatever that takes. So, right. you know, it's, it's going to take balance. You know, we've heard a lot about how his offense is supposed to be multiple. Well, you know what that means is you have to throw and pass. I, I, I expect to see an improved short passing game that will substitute for a running game at times. Yeah. We need to see receivers catch those balls and take, uh, take uh, advantage of those opportunities. And we need the quarterbacks to put the ball on the money. So these athletes can use their athletic ability to be able to make yards after the catch, and not expend all their energy just trying to catch it. So um, you know we have a four letter record dropping this week that talks about on target percentage. Uh, it's been poor, um, and <laughs> so uh, if you uh, if you're an insider, that will drop for you tomorrow. You can check that out. I'll be interested to hear everybody's feedback on that segment. But, uh, you know, we just I I just think that he's putting these guys in situations where, again, he's listened to what this man is saying. He's 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 harped on decision making. And he's put them in situations where they have to actively use their brain to make better decisions than they have been making. That goes for Bo as much as it goes for Finley, because we saw what he did in some of those situations as well, too. So this is a stress test for the whole whole offense. Got a question
1: here from Stephen Riley. What do you think about reports of tight ends dropping passes? The thought or the belief was that would actually be the strength there. Uh, What has been kind of the intel coming out of? I know you haven't had a chance to partake uh, in the scrimmages, but what has been kind of the information you've been getting about the tight ends, Christian?
3: Yeah, the tight ends are out there. There's one on every single play, every single play. And that is partially because of... The pass blocking, which has been less than stellar, and part of that has been because the offensive line hasn't really all been there because of injuries and COVID issues and whatnot. I think that's starting to solidify now, but they've really been using a tight end, at least one on every play, two on a fair amount of plays. Um, I haven't heard too much about difficulties with drops. I have heard some here and there, and you know, the little media, little viewing windows that we got to go to for some of the fall camp, I did see some issues with some some drops from some of the tight ends but overall i don't think it's a situation where you know for the past however many years we've heard all oh, the tight ends are going to be more involved this year i promise you they're actually going to be more involved this year mm-hmm. they're they're out there all the time so
1: that's encouraging to hear man um we have way too many too many talented tight ends for <laughs> us not to have utilized them in the past so that's that's encouraging to hear that there's at least one on every play one of the things that Harson also mentioned was he named permanent captains for the season. Uh, one of them wasn't surprising, Owen Papo, but the other was kind of a heartwarming story. Chandler Wooten, who actually sat out uh, last year during 2020 because of COVID, Harson talked about him. He he talked about the first time he met him and he basically told him, "I can lead." And to see that, fast forward to now, him being named a permanent captain for the season is pretty heartwarming, pretty good, pretty cool. We we know that the linebacker corp is going to be one of the deeper positions. So much has been made about Papo. Much has been made about McLean, rightfully so. But to hear uh, Wooten be named one of the captains is is encouraging. And it kind of—JG Tate kind of alluded to this. He mentioned it kind of tells you what kind of makeup we got in this team— in terms of where the leadership is coming from with this team. So, B-Will, talk to me again about your thoughts with Wooten being named the captains, the two captains being linebackers on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Wooten, um, there was a piece that ran in AO.com this summer, or actually earlier this spring, about Wooten. Everything he went through while he was sitting out that season. Um, his child was born, His his girlfriend was pregnant, and he had some very personal reasons to sit out. Um, um, with what was unknown about COVID at the time, there was a lot to be concerned about, especially for people who were, you know, immunocompromised or you know, pregnant, a lot of things like that. So I, I think every coach will have to make a decision on players who chose to sit out. There were some NFL players who opted out, you know, and, and the way football is, and this is football from peewee up through the NFL. They want you to be there. They want you to be available. They want you to be committed a thousand percent. And for somebody to sit out, it's not not it's not that it doesn't make sense, it's that there's a lot of people who did make that decision. So Harson had some concerns about why he made that decision. They talked about it. He committed to football. He said he was always committed that he was able and he said he was willing to work and show that he was a leader, that he was a a a football player, a dependable football player. And if he impressed Brian Harson, who by all reports, I think we're all getting the, the picture clear here, he's a hard ass. So if Harson is convinced, I'm convinced. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why any of us. So if there's one person that you have to convince to get, really, it was the team voted. So you don't have to convince the coach, but you kind of do, especially this coach because this was a brand new regime. This was a brand new attitude. So if you can can get up to snuff on his scale, then then you're good. And he did. So I think that's a. A great story. just Not just a story, but we had heard it about Chandler Wooten's potential before the season. I mean, we were looking forward to what he was going to do last year. You know, can you imagine if he was there to plug that middle when Britt got hurt? I mean, yeah, we think about what that would have been like. I, ben knew the kid had potential. So we're kind of getting to see it now. And I think it tells us with two defensive players being captains, I am simultaneously even more convinced the defense is going to be great and worried about the offense. At the exact same time, QBs usually get that mantle no problem. If they've been there a year, they get it no problem. So I, I'm not saying that it, it the team doesn't believe in Bo as a starter, even though we know he's a starter. But man, come on, man! Like I, I, I how many teams are you going to be a two year starter and with a max of four years to play, and you go into year three and you're not the captain? You touch the ball more than anybody. I'm, that scares me a little bit. And that's not just shade on bow. Like that scares me. I know that scares y'all. I don't have to admit it out loud, but I know you're worried that he didn't get that nod. But I do believe in the defense now. That that my mind is made up. Um, I am I am pumping sunshine. I don't have shades right now, but I'm pumping as much sunshine <laughs> as oh, possible as shines off of Mike's gleaming white, newly braced up teeth. Yeah. I am pumping yeah. sunshine I'm about braced.
2: the defense. I'm braced, I'm braced. <laughs>
0: Christian, I got a question for you, and, and shout out to James
1: Barnett. We got some great questions in the comments, man. We'll try to get to them as best we can. Uh, but he, he's mentioning Cole Cubelis' comments on the offensive line, and I guess he's addressing or he's mentioning his concerns. He made it seem as if we didn't have talent on offense and also thought that other SEC teams had a better secondary. Let's tackle this a little bit piece by piece, because Harson did talk about the O-line. Right. He kind of mentioned or laid out kind of who the two deep was. Uh, Left tackle. uh, Austin Troxell is starting. Zaire is behind him. Brandon Council, left guard. Behind him is Alec Jackson. Nick Brahms is the starting center. Uh, Irvin is behind him. Keandre Jones at right guard. Tayshawn Manning was right behind him. He also mentioned Stutz, who could either play either guard position. He mentioned right tackle Broderius Ham and Brendan Coffey backing him up. So there's, there's been concerns about this position, and we know there's been a lot of movement in fall camp. There were some guys who were held out of scrimmages, and it's been it's a much maligned group. We know what they can do in run blocking, but that has not been the concern for this group. It's been pass pro. So what do you make of the offensive line, Christian? 10 days out from the start of the season. Where where do you see them being? Have, have they te- taken a step forward? Do the coaches have a good feel for who their five are? What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, so I do think the coaches do have a good feel for where their five at. It's exactly those starters that you just listed. Um, you know, Harson said they're still moving people around a little bit. I think that's the best combination that they really need to roll with, and I think that's probably what you'll see against Akron. As for taking a step forward, I don't think they have quite yet. Part of that's not their fault. I mentioned earlier, you know, some injuries, some COVID issues, and they did do that cross training where, you know, the tackles would play a little guard and vice versa. People would move around a little bit. These guys haven't really had a ton of time in fall camp to really sit at one spot and practice there. Now they do have that time now that they really have kind of solidified where they like guys. So I do think it is still possible that they can take at least a little bit of a step forward before the Akron game, but. From what we've heard in scrimmages and practice so far, it's been that defensive line in the front seven really dominating the offensive line so far, which, you know, I do think that defensive line is really good, but what does it say about this offensive line?
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard to get a read on that. Is, is the O-line really bad or is the a, is a D line good? I think the D-line is just really good, and I'm hoping that because they're good, that the Auburn's O-line, once they meet... A d line like a Georgia or Alabama that won't be their first time getting hit in the mouth hopefully my G what do you, what have what have been your thoughts on terms of the these rotations and and along the the offensive line and do you see them hopefully taking advantage of these first two games to really get some confidence? Uh,
2: uh, listen man, the offensive line just is what it is going into the season. uh they'll either come together or they won't as the season progresses. I think that Harson is settling into that reality right now. So, uh, you know, he's turned his defense loose on them and competition is up and we don't have, there's no false sense of security about where our offense is at going into the season this year, right? So with that drug that Gus would feed us every preseason about where we were at with the team and, you know, we had the greatest quarterback battle in the history of camp and, you know all that stuff no there are, there are no delusions there we know that the guy behind center is going to have to make good decisions and quick decisions behind this offensive line we're going to have to run the ball and uh the scheme is going to have to cover them some so uh i'm just going to be watching to see how they scheme around our deficiencies uh i've never been as bad uh, down on this offensive line as a lot of people have been i just felt like uh slow developing run-play action hurt them. It required them to hold blocks from, for no, uh, longer than is normal in the SEC and then throw in bad route trees and a quarterback who can't go through his reads fast enough, and it was always going to be a disaster for this offensive line. That's it. But that was normal over the last eight years. Now, hear me out. Under, under Gus Malzahn, we have never had a good pass-protecting offensive line. Never. What we've had are we've had a couple quarterbacks that were really good at getting escaping pressure and throwing on the run. And then when we got a pocket passer in there, he got he got sacked 35 times in a year where we came up one game short of the playoff. It's never been good at pass pro, guys. So in year one, do I expect Brian Harson to be able to turn around literally what is eight years of that? No, man. I expect him to scheme around it somehow. You've got athletes, find a way to get them the ball in space. And let's stop blaming all our problems on the offensive line. Uh, One-year turnarounds, I mean, it's just so hard. There's only a couple times in Auburn history where I can remember. I, I remember under Tuberville one year, I think it was 06. They pulled all the starters on the offensive line. And threw, they did it versus Florida. It was Florida on the road. I don't know if anybody remembers this. And they threw in a whole new line because they were just playing so bad comprised of, like, freshmen and sophomores, I think. Yeah. It's just very unusual to see a huge turnaround from a from a group that, you know, is one of the most experienced returning in the SEC this year. These guys just kind of, they are what they are. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the strength and conditioning program kind of beefed them up a little bit uh, so that they're at least a little stronger. But in terms of understanding, you know, you know, maybe they understand the game and their assignments a little better. Um, You know, I thought that Herb Hand set us back. There were just some things that just did not go on great at offensive line over the last few years. So um, I'm not I, I hope that they do better. First and foremost, I hope the scheme helps them. I hope the quarterback helps them because we talk a lot about how hard it is for a quarterback behind a bad offensive line. But we very rarely talk about how hard it is for an offensive line behind a quarterback that has no feel for the pocket. And holds on to the ball too long. Yeah. Nobody talks about that, right? So I'm gonna throw Nobody? these guys a bone back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we talk about that. I talk about it, but you know, I just, I just think ew, <laughs> this, this thing about the offensive line. Everybody just needs to stop hoping that they turn into some in- incredible unit. I mean, I think they've kind of peaked out, and, and what we hope is I, they I think understand they're serviceable. Answer. Yeah, I mean, they listen, serviceable. They were serviceable last year. The scheme hurt them. There were other there were other factors around them hurting them. And so this year, I think Harson knows I think he understands where this offensive line is at, and you will not see the quarterback holding on to the ball very long behind this offensive line when he drops back to throw. Now they're going to have to do it sometimes. It's not like they couldn't pass protect at all last year. They had moments where they formed perfect pockets and gave us plenty of time to throw, and we still couldn't complete the pass. Either a drop, right, between uh, Seth and and Schwartz last year, they had 14 drops. Some of those were on perfectly formed pockets by this offensive line. So the problem, I mean, there was enough blame to go around there. I just, I'm over it. I'm over the talk about the offensive line. Because they just are what they are. What else around them can we fix to help them out just a, just a little bit? <laughs> and if at the end of the season, they turn into somehow one of the best units in the league, somehow a top three or four unit in the league, it will be because the scheme helped them there. You know, that's all, that's all I'm saying. And, and for And for reference, the best quarterbacks in our league last year had the ball out of their hands in 2.69 seconds or less our quarterback had the ball in his hand for 2.89 seconds on average. So you don't need a ton of time to throw the ball. You need a better scheme. You need wide receivers running better routes, right? And you need to stop calling these plays that everybody just knows what they are. Right. You know, like it's just a scheme, it's all scheme.
1: Yo, what's up, this your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series,
2: Build a Rapport, are going strong.
1: All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Shout out to uh, Walt Taylor in honor of Corey, since Corey isn't here, Virginia, Definitely double dribble. Yeah. We acknowledge facts. that every time. And it's worth acknowledging for the rest of our time here at The War Report. Facts. It's absolutely facts. Uh, let's talk about, since we all talked out about O-line, let's talk about the QB battle. And Harsons basically <laughs> said that <laughs> Bo and TJ are at the top. With Bo basically getting the first team, he's the oh, first man. to go out. Which... We pretty much knew that that was the case after the second scrimmage. He did. He does keep talking about Demetrius Davis. He he's been very impressed with him. He basically says all three QBs have had a great camp. Mike G may probably may disagree with that, but Demetrius Davis has definitely, from all accounts, he's he's talked about him both times. So that says a lot about what Demetrius Davis has done and the leap he's made since spring ball. Christian, can you talk about a little bit about the about the QB race and just some insights there?
3: Yeah, so I think it's it's tightening up a little bit. You know, we had all kind of come to the conclusion that it was going to be Bo and Bo will start the Akron game. I still personally believe that, but I do think TJ is kind of making a move up because of his better play and Bo's lackluster play. Um, everything we've heard in camp is that. He's had some consistency issues. He hasn't been overly accurate. He just looks maybe a little bit lost back there in the pocket at times and scrambling around a little bit. So I personally think, you know, I I don't know exactly what what to believe about that with Bo, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not sold on Bo being the guy all year this year. I do think the Akron game, he'll start it and he'll be the guy, but I, I could see a move where TJ Finley comes in. I would like to say for T.J. Finley, though, I don't know how well he's going to do at Auburn this year, and that's only because he's a statue of a quarterback. He loves to sit in the pocket. This offensive line, we just talked about him a little bit. I don't know if they'll give him quite enough time that he needs back there. Bo, at least he can run out, you know, create a little bit of extra time on the play. T.J. can't really do that. And as for Demetrius, he has had a fantastic camp by all means, so... So what you're saying, Christian, is, is that Demetrius Davis is the future? You know, that's that probably—I think TJ could do very well at Auburn. I think they need actual offensive tackles for him to do very well at Auburn. And I don't really think they have any of those right now. So in a game atmosphere, I think Demetrius really could be that guy. You know, he's one of those quarterbacks that in practice, he might not look the absolute best. But you just get him in a game, and he's going to ball and Brian Harson said you know he has gamesmanship. He just looks good out there. So I think he's one of those guys. He he certainly could be the future at Auburn. Uh
2: I have another question, Christian. How do you, how do you based on what you said, how do you justify what Harson is saying publicly about the quarterback battle with your statements on how the quarterback battle has looked because I I've, I've heard some different things about TJ as well, too. At times he has not looked great. Um you know what what do we what do we believe here? Because you just said something very different than what uh, our coach is saying.
3: Yeah, I think you know it's a little bit of coach speak. I think honestly, you know, you're not going to probably publicly come out and say this guy's struggled with this, this guy's struggled with that, right. whatever it may be. But you know, digging into some intel that we've gotten, both guys have struggled. Um, I think Bo has struggled more than TJ. I think. DJ learning this new offense a little bit, it took him some time, and he is still having some issues, but he seems to be improving a little bit more while Bo is kind of holding steady and still having some of the same issues. so Mm. Christian,
2: can you clear something up for us, too? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the second scrimmage, was it two picks or three picks?
3: Uh, I believe it was two interceptions for Bo in the second scrimmage. Okay,
2: all right. Yeah, I just uh, and I I was just asking, because it seemed like there was a lot of confusion in the reporting on that,
3: whether it was two or three. No, and it was the same for the first scrimmage as well. I think Bo has had a pair of picks in each okay. scrimmage so far. So,
1: how much of of the struggles would you say most of it has just been TJ just trying to figure out what's going on in the offense this fall camp? Because I mean, he, he didn't go through spring; he's still learning on the fly. How much of his struggles you believe have been attributed to just him learning the offense?
3: You know, it's tough to say without really watching him, um, but I think that's certainly a fair part of it. It might not be all of it, but right. I think that's probably a majority of the issues for TJ. And I think the other issue would just be that he is a very pocket pass heavy quarterback. He doesn't like to move at all. So once the defensive line really crashes in on him, it gets a lot more difficult. But I think the offense, just adjusting to that new offense is probably the biggest issue for TJ so far.
1: B Will, you got any uh any 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 points to make about this QB race? Is
0: it hearing that it's tightening up? I just gave Harson credit for being a straight shooter, but I did, I agree. I think it was a little bit of coach speak in there about Bo. And, and I think that's because he doesn't want to cast doubt on, you know, you don't want to say, Hey, this guy has performed the worst and then try them out there as your starter. You know, so you, you give him credit for whatever improvement you do see happening. Um, still project some confidence in him or his ability to continue to improve, which Carson, which uh, Harson has done. But if if the reports are to be believed, and we all have our different sources, we we have a way of knowing who threw what and how it looked when it happened, and and how everybody there felt about it. I don't think, and this is something that we talk about all the time, and, and Mike J especially. We are hoping that now we have a coach that says, "Son, that's not good enough. Go sit down." Other guy, you're in, and. What this camp has demonstrated for me is that we don't have a starter right now that is far and away beyond reproach. Like, we we don't have a guy that, it's okay that you threw that pick. I know you. Like, there's no 2016 Deshaun Watson. That guy's not there. Somebody who's done it and looked phenomenal all the time. So if he does goof up some, you're comfortable leaving him out there because you know he can do it. We don't have a guy like that. So we don't have, nobody's got a free pass. The only person on this team who seems to have a free pass is Tank, Tank Bigsby, and I'm okay with that one <laughs> because he's phenomenal. Um, But I appreciate the coach speak because you have to not kill the kid publicly. And as we think, we Gus may have done this too much, is not kill his confidence. So you don't sit him, you don't pull him when he's not playing well enough, but he may have confidence and he may want to give this guy some, you know, some motivation going into the season, but I have confidence that coach Harson won't let a poor playing uh quarterback e- either one of them continue to play poorly and cost us games. And and so no matter who is actually going to be the first guy out, I actually think for the first time ever, the first guy out this season is is inconsequential. I don't think it matters. I think you got you got another scrimmage next uh Friday. Wow, we are 10 days away. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, excuse me, next Saturday. Um, you got one more scrimmage after that against Alabama State. And then Penn State is gonna be it, man. That that's gonna be whoever gets that start's best shot. Like that's that's your shot to prove that you learned the lessons they were trying to teach you in camp and that they were trying to get you to to demonstrate for the first two games. And if if that's Bo and he doesn't show improve, I actually think, yeah, we, we could see a change here. Let's pick up by talking about recruiting.
2: Yeah.
1: And recruiting has happened to pick up a little bit on the planes after much weeping and gnashing of teeth <laughs> leading up to that point. Auburn is up to 11 commitments. And it started, I believe it was with, was it Trey first? Did Trey commit first or was it yes. Omari? Yeah, it, it was Trey. Trey. It was Trey. Well, let's start with Trey first. Trey Donaldson is a actually a two-sport athlete out of Florida State University School out of Tallahassee, Florida. Six foot two, one hundred eighty-eight pounds. He was the forty-fifth recruit in the state of Florida. Florida actually has a lot of talent. Uh, he is a four-star rated safety, twenty-third rated safety. Uh, in the country, will initially play point guard for AU basketball. He chose Auburn over FSU, Florida, Ole Miss, and Louisville. So this was the first news of the of the day last week. I believe it was almost a week ago, last Thursday. Talk to us about Trey. He, he's supposed to be playing, I believe he's going to play basketball first for Bruce Pearl because I believe he's a three-star rated point guard in basketball. So what what is his plans Christian? What what is his plans with with Auburn in terms of being a two sport athlete?
3: Yeah, so he is basketball first. Um to be honest, I personally don't really ever expect him to play football at Auburn just because I think it's a situation where I mean, you never see it and there's a reason why you never see it. It's physically impossible or nearly impossible for these players to be able to go through football practice, the football season while balancing basketball practice and then going into the basketball season. So I personally don't see that happening. And I mean, he's so talented in both sports, but basketball is really, really where he excels. He might be a three-star. Look, Bruce Pearl knows how to evaluate talent. They've had their eyes on this kid for a long time. He hasn't really played a lot of basketball. This summer was the first uh, summer that he spent really focusing on basketball. And he shined. He played at the uh, the Peach Jam Tournament. I believe it was the second game of the tournament he actually tore his meniscus he played through it Mm. the last game of the tournament he still scored 30 points on a torn meniscus he's a very physical point guard but he's also got good court vision so they really really like him in basketball
1: wow so does he count he does he count against our recruiting numbers seeing as though he he's He's signed on to play basketball. Like, how does that affect Auburn from a recruiting number standpoint on, f- on the football side?
3: Yeah, so on the football side, you know, I know on our site and some of the other sites that he is listed as a commit for football. I don't think his scholarship is initially going to count. He's going to take a basketball scholarship with the hopes of playing football down the line. So while Auburn technically has 11 commits in football right now, I personally just consider it 10 because I I don't think he's going to be playing football at all his freshman year.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's let's move down the list of of the next person who committed. Amari Kelly, four star wide receiver out of Hewitt Trustville in Trustville, Alabama, six foot one, one hundred and seventy five pounds. He was the thirteenth ranked recruit in the state of Alabama. He is the forty third forty uh, third overall receiver. Chose Auburn over. Kentucky, Bama and UCF and of course these numbers this these stats are courtesy of auburnsports.com. That is Amari Kelly who is as as you stated Christian is the 10th commit, technically the 11th, but he's a bit of an interesting story because I remember hearing of him early on in the year and is nothing after that. Granted it was a dead period so not much traction could be made but it seems like things picked up with Big Cat weekend with Amari Kelly. Uh talk about his recruitment and and how did we get to this point with Amari being one of Auburn's receivers now coming in for the 2022 class.
3: Yeah, it was a little bit of an odd one where some of these other schools were looking at Omari as a DB. Auburn was still looking at him, looking at him as a wide receiver. Um, they picked up Jay Fair earlier on. And the initial plan was to only take two wide receivers. So they picked up Jay Fair, and they were waiting on Darius Clemens. Then they decided that they'd be willing to take three, maybe even four wide receivers. So they started to kind of pick things up again with Omari. He was here in June. um, When the dead period ended, he camped and took an unofficial visit. Then, like you said, he was here for Big Cat weekend. And that's when he said, you know, Auburn has really, really started to push. They're kind of at the top in terms of schools pursuing me. So that ended up paying off, and Auburn was able to get him away from some other big schools like Alabama, Kentucky, and UCF. So I really like the addition of Omari Kelly. He he is pretty big, 6'1", but he also still has really good speed as well. So he's kind of a do-it-all receiver. It's not like he does anything incredibly well, but he does everything pretty well, I would say. So when he camped in June, that's where he picked up his offer, correct? It was,
2: staff? yes. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Kristen, I have a quick question about the the mood of the recruits. I've said for a while, if you're a big time receiver, I don't know why you choose Auburn, uh, given how <laughs> we throw the ball um, over the years, right? It just seems like we've been struggling at developing that that position. Are recruits getting a sense? Is there some sense of excitement around what's to come, or is it kind of like a wait and see what he puts on the field kind of deal? What are you guys seeing from the recruits in that in that respect?
3: Yeah, so I would say obviously the commits, you know, like guys like Damari Alston that you see on Twitter every single day are really trying to get the hype up, which as a side note, he was a fantastic addition for Auburn's class. I think this staff struggled a little bit to build some of that momentum you were talking about. He's really brought it for Auburn. He's helped with getting some of these commitments. As for the guys that Auburn is still targeting right now, I think a lot of them do want to wait and see what kind of product Auburn puts out on the field this fall. Some of them like what they've heard. They like the ideas that this coaching staff has, but they're waiting to see a little bit in terms of what actually gets put on the field.
1: Could one of those guys be, and we'll start talking about some, uh, some targets here. Could one of those guys be four star uh, Darius Clemens out of Portland, Oregon, who I think right now is it between Auburn and Oregon now?
3: It's mostly between those two. Penn State is still in the mix. You know, he has that top three, but it really does feel like it's Auburn, Oregon. And right now I have Auburn on top, um, for Darius Clemens. He's a guy, I believe rivals has him as the number 12 wide receiver in the country. Um, he'll be back for the Akron game. Um, he took his official visit back in June. Now him and his family are coming back for the Akron game. I think that's huge for Auburn. Just the fact that they are able to get him all the way from Portland, Oregon to fly down and come for another game. So I know this staff and all the other commits have really, really been putting the pressure on him. And so far, it's really worked. I do think he wants to see the product that gets put on the field. But as of right now, I would put Auburn on top.
2: Mm. As a West Coast recruit, though, are you getting a sense that they're starting to really make a push for guys outside of the Southeast region? Is that is is recruiting nationally becoming a focus for the staff?
3: I think so, yeah. Um, you heard the coaches talk about, or Brian Horson at least, talk about it a little bit when he first got hired, that they want to go out all around the country. And it's an advantage for them. This staff, or at least part of it, has experience specifically up in the Northwest at Boise State or just places all around the country. So why fight for a Darius Clemens? Let's say he was from Florida or something like that, and Florida's winning. Why fight for him there when you can go and find a guy at Oregon and say, hey, come down and play in the SEC play for Auburn football in front of 87,000 fans. And y- y- I personally think you have a much better chance at getting a four-star recruit out of Oregon than you do out of Florida. Mm. Mm. So,
1: mm. And, and by the way, Oregon has definitely, <laughs> they have a, a team of dogs as it pertains to the recruiting uh, field. So for us to be able to pull him out of Oregon is impressive these days. We got a, We got a question here from uh luke mcdonald asking about drew bobo what are what are your feelings about him because i believe he's supposed to be recruiting I mean, committing fairly soon how's your your feel on him and it, i think that's a georgia auburn battle so what are your thoughts there
3: yeah it is georgia auburn and this is another guy that i would lean auburn right now um if you asked me that maybe a month ago i'd probably say i'd lean georgia but Auburn has made a push there. He's uh, he's playing offensive tackle for Auburn High School, but at the next level, he's probably an offensive guard. And his coaching staff and these commits have really kind of put the pressure on him. And so far it's worked. I don't have an exact recruiting timeline. He hasn't really given us any dates, but I, I would say probably within the next four to six weeks, he'll be announcing his commitment. As of now, I would expect it to be to Auburn.
1: So speaking of offensive linemen, and, and I see people in the comments talking about tackles and how we need to get some guys along the line talk about riley quick a four-star offensive tackle out of Trussville, alabama who is he committed to play baseball is he currently committed or is he considering playing baseball at alabama
3: uh so i think he was considering it um from what i've heard if he you know if he were to come to auburn he would be for football he does play baseball right now i, I think he's a football guy at the next level he needs to put on a little bit more weight to play offensive tackle in the SEC, but you know that, that takes time and he'll be able to do that. So this is a situation where Alabama's probably leading, I believe his brother, I think it's his brother plays at Alabama. Yes. Um, so Alabama's probably leading there, but Auburn is really pushing for him and they're pushing for a lot of different offensive tackles because, look, the previous coaching staff didn't leave them with really any of them that are suitable for the SEC. So they're going to try and get three or four offensive tackles in this class.
1: We got a a comment here. Easton Harris uh, mentioned how are we not leading for Easton Harris? What was, what's the scoop there?
3: So he's another guy that's playing at Auburn high this year. Um, It it seems like he, it almost feels like an anywhere but Auburn situation with him. (laughs) It feels like he, he got the Alabama offer, but it wasn't really an offer that was committable. Um, So he's been waiting on that. He really likes Florida State, but Florida State has a couple other offensive tackles committed already. I want to say they have three and they're leading for Elijah Pritchett, who would be number four.
1: That one hurts, by the way.
3: Yeah, that's a tough one for Auburn. And then uh, Florida got into the mix just in the middle of July or somewhere like that. So I don't know what it is, but it just feels like a situation where he wants to go anywhere but Auburn. He certainly could end up at Auburn. I know they're pushing for him very hard, and I think he's a talented offensive tackle, but it feels like an anywhere but Auburn situation with him. So, like, I
2: mean, did we uh, did we forget his birthday or, <laughs>
3: you know, what happened there? <laughs> you, you know, I, I don't have a good feel for it. He has been on uh, – well, he goes to Auburn High, so he's obviously been on Auburn's campus before. Right. And I think he'll be back for what would be technically considered an official visit in the fall. Um even though he could be here any weekend. But it just doesn't really feel like a situation where he necessarily wants to come to Auburn. Mm. Okay.
1: Auburn actually offered another offensive tackle, four-star Malik Agba. We, We talked about Darius Clemens out of Portland, Oregon. This guy is by way of Federal Way Washington, offensive tackle here. This is kind of a recent development. What can you tell us about this guy?
3: Yeah, so they have been talking to him for a little bit. So the offer... the offer is new he has been in the mix for them a little bit but at the same time this is a 2022 kid he already has his top five out he's already got future casts to go and play at lsu i believe so i'm a little confused on the timing of this offer it feels like a situation where they should have sent this out a couple months ago to really get in the mix now with that being said i do think they have at least a chance with him here he does want to come down for an official visit this fall, so if he is able to make it down, that could be big for Auburn, but it just feels like they're a little late to the punch with uh, Malik Agbo here. Agbo, I, I haven't been able to talk to him quite yet, so I don't know the exact pronunciation of his name, but feels like they're just a little late here.
1: Is it? Is it one of those things, that do we know when this kid is committing?
3: He hasn't said when he's committing, to my knowledge, so they do have a little bit of time there. They do have okay. some time, and they can make up some ground, but just for me personally, it just feels a little too slow of an offer. I, I don't know why they waited so long for it. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha.
1: Well, we we got two kids from Pike Road. Someone already in the comments have mentioned them. We'll start with the running back, three-star running back, Quinshawn Judkins. Of course, we know Auburn was able to get Damari Austin to commit uh, at Big Cat weekend. This is another guy who Auburn has been hot behind, heavy behind, pursuing him. What can you tell us about this kid?
3: Yeah, so Auburn is still pursuing him. Um, He's taking his time with his recruitment a little bit. And I think it's a situation where now that Auburn does have their running back on the board into Mario Alston, not that they're not pushing for Judkins, but they're also taking their time a little bit with that second running back. They're waiting to see. I know they're evaluating some kids that are committed to other schools, one that's committed to West Virginia, one that's committed to Pitt. So they're kind of evaluating the situation there, seeing who they really want to pair with DeMari Austin. It certainly could be Quinshawn Junkins, and personally, that's who I expect it to be once it's all said and done. But they're slow playing it a little bit, and I think he's slow playing it as well, just really waiting to see what he wants to do.
1: Who else is he considering?
3: Uh, he is considering just some of the other Southeastern schools. I couldn't name them quite off the top of my head. drawn drawing a blank <laughs> a little bit here, but he's got some good offers, that's for sure. Well... We got a few more names to discuss
1: here. Mm. Let's talk about Curtis Perry. He's also of uh, Pike Road, out of Montgomery, Alabama. Defensive tackle, four-star. This will be a big get. This looks like an in-state or shaping up to be a, an in-state battle uh, between Auburn and Alabama, at least I think so. Tell me, tell me something about Curtis Perry, because I'm not sure if we're in the running for him, but it seems like things are picking up with him. So what can you tell us about Curtis?
3: Yeah, this would be a massive get for Auburn. I think this would be, he might not be the best recruit in the class, but he would be the best get in terms of they would beat out Alabama, and then Ohio State is actually pushing very hard for him. You know That'll be tough for Ohio State to pull him out of the state of Alabama, and that's where I think he'll end up staying. But this would be a huge get for Auburn. Um, His junior year, he played at Park Road Crossing, or Park Mm -hmm. Crossing. Um,
1: Pike Road, I think.
3: Yeah, he played there, and now he's transferred to a different school. He was an absolute animal last year. He had something like 20 sacks. Um, now that he's at his new school, I'm sure he'll continue to be very good. This is a this is target number one for Auburn in terms of the defensive line, and Nick Eason has worked very, very hard to try and get him. Uh, Marcus Harris, the Kansas transfer, is actually pretty close with him. They're from the same mm-hmm. area, so that helps out as well. I would hesitantly put Auburn in front maybe like a 51% Auburn Mm. is in front Alabama 49 Ohio State is in the mix as well obviously but uh, Auburn is making a surge with Curtis Perry so uh, I like where Auburn is standing as of right now
1: Mm. Uh, I just hate these little battles with Alabama they just make me so I'm so jaded for the past several years where guys seem like they were just a lot for Auburn and then you know the business transaction happens it seems allegedly
2: allegedly sure alright War Rapport family it's your boy Mike G the 2021 season is here and we're cooking up a bunch of amazing new content for our listeners new segments new giveaways new interviews and new game day experiences but you have to be an insider to get in on the action so head on over to YouTube and search for The War Report. when you see the channel Look for the join button. Trust me, you're not gonna want to miss what we've got coming. So keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app, and get your weight up by becoming an insider for the 2021 Auburn football season. Let's go, baby! Now let's get back to it, Christian. What is your sense about how Eason is 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 weighing in on these recruiting battles, especially for linemen? Um, we've, been, you know, he's a high energy guy. He's got an NFL background. Is he is he making a difference? Do you think in in trying to take back the state, Easton is going to make a difference
3: in trying to get some of these guys away from Alabama? I think he is going to make a massive difference. He might be the best hire um, out of Auburn staff, and it was kind of a blessing in disguise in terms of you know they got Tracy Walker, yeah. and then he went to the Eagles, I agree. and they ended up with Nick Easton. Look, when we were in the complex in June, a little bit. There was never a second this guy wasn't working. He would walk a defensive lineman out the door, walk out to their car with them. He'd walk back in. He was already on the phone talking to a different commit or a recruit, I should say. Um, he is He's never recruited before. That's not something he's done. He's never been a college coach. You would think he's been a college coach his entire life. Mm-hmm. He is incredible at it. Um, the first weekend, this is going all the way back to June, of the official visits. Caleb Artis, a guy they were pushing for, he ended up staying up in the north and committed to Penn State. But when he was here for his official visit, it was his mom's birthday. They went out to dinner on that Saturday, and Nick Eason uh, played the guitar for Caleb's mom. Mm. This is just a very personable guy with a lot of energy. I think he just understands it. He knows what it takes to get a kid and you know have them excited about the Auburn program. So I think he can certainly make an impact within the state and just... All the defensive line targets that they're going after. Mm, he played the guitar for a crew's mom. He did. Yes. Okay. All right. All right so was, where are you going? <laughs> <All
0: right. laughs>
2: <laughs> look, baby. All right, know <laughs> where you're going. Just send him to <laughs> he's gonna be Just a stepdad. <laughs> Two for one, baby. <laughs>
1: oh
0: man.
1: So, 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 Todd is 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 screaming Iverson Hooks. Uh, what what can you tell us about this guy? Is there is there interest from the Auburn coaching staff in this kid? I think he's a three star athlete from the same area. Know anything about this guy?
3: Yeah, Iverson Hooks. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't say I know a whole lot about him. I haven't really heard his name thrown out there from people close to the program and people within recruiting. Um, it, it could be a situation where you know coaches, will, especially this staff, they weren't down here, but coaches weren't able to see players in person last year. So some people kind of got lost in the mix a little bit. Maybe if he does have a standout senior season, Auburn's coaches will already be there looking at Curtis Perry and looking at some of these other guys. So maybe Auburn will target him. I haven't really heard too much about him.
1: What can you tell me about some of the guys we have currently committed to Auburn? Holden, do you think, do you see him potentially getting a fourth star? Uh, I know people were big on him early in this year, right before he committed to Auburn. There was actually some other schools that he had garnered some interest from. Is it a possibility he can get a fourth star
3: on rivals? I think he's going to need a very good senior season in order to do that. He was at the elite 11 camp over the summer. And from what I heard, he obviously was not, you know, they have 20 quarterbacks there. He was not approaching the top 11. Um, Mm. He had some issues that Mm. were not quite as good as some of the other quarterbacks. So I think he's going to really need to show off and have a good senior season. I know some of the other sites like 247 have him as a four star as of right now. And we do still have him as a three star. That four-star status is certainly attainable, and it could definitely happen, but he's going to need to have a good senior season in order to get that. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Was there any other any other recruiting
1: news or any secrets, anything that, that, that uh, Auburn fans need to be aware of, or have we covered the majority of them? Is there any other targets out there that we need to keep an
3: eye on? You know, I think we've covered most of the targets that are going to be within the— The next month or two that Auburn is really pretty high on and looking at. um, Basketball-wise, real quick, there are some guys that Auburn really likes. They're still still waiting on Zion Cruz. I know people are waiting and hopeful that Auburn gets him. Look, Mm -hmm. if Auburn wants him, they have him. I will say that. (laughs) Auburn currently is not in a situation where they want to take him at the moment. They're looking at some other guys. They really like Jaris Walker. Uh, I believe he's the number 13 player in the class in Rivals. He's built like Zion Williamson. I mean, he yeah. is—he has incredible size and physicality as a power forward. Wow. They view him as kind of a Jabari Smith replacement because Jabari's really, he's only going to be here one year. But, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they have they've got a lot of talented guys over there in basketball that they're recruiting, and they've got a good chance at most of them, which is credit to Bruce Pearl and his staff for really turning the program the way yes. they have.
2: Do you get a sense whether the uh, the program is, do they feel like they are in a good spot to fill their needs at certain positions, right? Like, I think, I mean, we're going to have some attrition at offensive line after this year. Um, you know, there's going to be, and but we're young at a lot of positions. You know, what? what's the focus? What's the recruiting focus in terms of position groups for the
3: staff? Yeah, position groups, I would say the offensive line is certainly a huge one. Defensively, they're going to need to start getting some defensive backs because Roger McCurry is going to be gone soon. Smoke Monday will be gone soon. Drayshawn Miller is probably only going to be here for a year. by so. uh, Darius Knighton as well, yep. So they're going to have... They they do have some young talent in the secondary, but they need to go out and get some more of that. So I would look at the secondary, and I would certainly look at the offensive line, and especially at offensive tackle. Like I said, I think they want three to four guys that can play offensive tackle in this class.
0: Let me ask you a question. I, I've always wondered, and you spoke on it a little bit with Nick Eason. He seems to be the guy as a person that's winning these battles for us with Marcus Harris, Tony Fair, Caden Story. Um, it seems to be doing a lot of work that we have a guy that is young enough to relate to these guys, has coached in the NFL, um, played in the NFL. So I think, I think... We have a similar guy in Coach Korn for the wide receivers, which is why we're seeing wide receivers pick up the way we are, even though the offense hasn't quite shown um, in exactly what it, it wants to be quite yet. Do you think that Coach Corn can have the type of effect at wide receiver that uh, Coach Easton seems to be having on the defensive line?
3: Yeah, I think he absolutely can. I think Coach Korn is you know, maybe a little bit more quiet, a little more reserved than Nick Easton, but... You know, when he's talking with these kids, he does a fantastic job of talking with them, being real personal with them. All of the wide receiver uh, recruits that I've talked to, the guys that have gone elsewhere, the guys that have come into Auburn, they really, really, really like Coach Corn, and they enjoy just talking to him. So I definitely like Coach Corn as a guy on the offensive side that can bring in some good recruits.
1: Hmm. What are your thoughts about... Zach Etheridge and kind of the job he's been doing since he's been in Auburn on the recruiting trail as well as just making an impact on the kids, kind of like what Nick Eason has done.
3: Yeah, Zach Etheridge, um, I I would almost view him as the defensive Coach Korn. He's a little more quiet, but he has the experience at Auburn. Um, He can talk about what it's like to be at Auburn, what it's like to go and try and play at the next level. So I I like Zach Etheridge and I really like pairing him with Derek Mason. Um, recruiting those guys in the secondary. I think that's a fantastic pairing at, as recruiters for the secondary. Who do you think the best recruiter on this defensive staff is? I know we talked about
2: Eason, but like, you know, uh Mason, you know, has got his ways with some of these guys. Who, who's the best recruiter of the group?
3: Yeah, so I would probably put Derek Mason at the top. If I would exclude Derek Mason just because he's the defensive coordinator, I would say it's Nick Eason. Um, I do like Burt Watts. Um, I like Zach Etheridge. I'm not quite sure yet on Jeff Schmetting, but I would probably say Derek Mason. And then if you're just looking at the assistant coaches, I would look at Nick Eason. Mm. All right, Chris, let me ask you this.
0: Over or under two years of Derek Mason as the DC?
3: Uh, I would probably go over, but yeah. that's a situation where, you know, he he might just <laughs> be here for three years and then head out just... He's going to get an opportunity elsewhere to be a head coach again. I think everybody knows that. And the clock is just ticking on when that opportunity will come and how honey actually stays at Auburn. I will say over for two years, but I don't feel super confident in that answer. It's all right. I mean,
0: I I think I think it's two at the most. Honestly, I'm, I'm with you. He's too freaking likable and knowledgeable, man. It's just, mm-hmm. he, has a, he has a good
2: year. I, I see him taking off. might you got something? Yeah, and it's, this defense, I've been trying to tell you guys, is going to be all-time great. They have a chance. Hear me out. They have a yeah. chance <laughs> to be the best in the country. I'm talking about third down defense. I'm talking about sacks. I'm talking about pick sixes. I'm talking about everything. Christian, I'm wearing this. This is my sunshine pump moment. So <laughs> yeah, to I'm keep, blind. Uh, keep I can't I'm just trying to tell you guys, this. if if the D-line can get pressure on the quarterback, these defensive backs are going to eat. It's going to be nasty, right? And if you just should so happen to make it to the second level, we got the best tacklers in the SEC waiting on you. Good luck. The only thing I think that will beat this defense is losing the field position battle and the time of possession battle. That's what beats them. So with Derek Mason, our D coordinator, you know, Nick Eason just making waves on that defensive line. Watch out, man. And if you missed it on our facts or not five shutouts. Akron will not score a point week one. I don't care how bad the offense is. Akron doesn't score a point in week one. Take it to the bank. All right. Not, not even garbage time. No, nothing. Because at the two deep, we're nasty, too. All it's right. insane. Look, hear me out, though. Put your right. shades back on. Put your shades back on. My <laughs> bad, all bad. Put your shades back on. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, you, you're not
1: allowed to say this. Right, there right. you go. Uh, now listen, now listen, talk. Okay.
2: In these scrimmages, it didn't matter who they sent out there. Every, I mean, think about how many different guys we heard about getting picks. A lot of it were for guys who were not even starting. I think Roe Torrance got one. Like, this is just going to be—this defense is going to surprise some people this year, and I don't know why more people aren't talking about it, but I'm going to talk about it so I can come back and say, I told you guys so a month into the season when we've allowed less than 14 points on offense. Through Total four games. Points? Through four games. Totally. not get less than ready, 14 man. per game. Yeah, and if for some reason we figure it out offensively, it's over. It is over. Now, I, I, that's more of a stretch to me. But I just think it's going to be good, man. I I I want to be so excited about what they're doing offensively. Um and so I'll take these off to ask Christian another question. Christian <laughs> Um you know, in terms of um in the in the second scrimmage, there was some Discrepancy about because I heard Harson say that uh uh Bo was running with the Blues, but I what was being reported to me was that TJ was the first quarterback on the field in that second scrimmage, um, running with uh I think it was Capers, Malcolm Johnson, and Demetrius Robertson. So they it seemed like they were trying to do some different things with the wide receiver combinations. Who is there has there been any wide receiver quarterback to wide receiver? Uh, uh, connection that has stood out so far this this fall camp
3: you know I guess if I had to say one I would probably say it's been Bo Nix and Demetrius Robertson the transfer out of Georgia no wide receiver has really really stood out it would it would be Demetrius if I had to pick someone you know that's a little concerning to hear from Auburn's perspective but mm. no one has really taken that next step forward I think they're all very very talented Elijah Canyon, Kobe Hudson, all those guys, and there's even some more, they're all really talented, but no one has quite taken that next step forward. And part of that is they're very young. The other part of that is they're running an actual offense. Now they have actual routes that they have to run. They have to learn a lot more compared to the old, uh, very, very simple system. So mm. I think it's fair that these receivers are still a little bit behind. I have heard they've improved a little bit, but No one outside of Demetrius Robertson has really taken a step forward. Wow. Uh,
2: What about the—what have you heard about the freshman Tavares Dawson? Did I say that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's actually—they really, really like him as a deep threat. Um, He's a little Mm. small, so they like him in the slot and using him, you know, maybe inside a little bit. And then running down the field, he's also extremely fast. So they do Mm -hmm. like him, and I would expect him to see the field a little bit this year.
2: I'm hearing people compare him to Jalen Waddell a little bit in terms of speed and and overall playmaking ability.
3: Would you say that's accurate? I don't know if I would quite go Jalen Waddle. I don't know if he's... He does have that speed. I don't know if he has the physicalness that Jalen Waddle has. I think that was a little underrated in Jalen Waddle's game. He really could go up and get the ball. I don't know how much Tarvarish Dawson can do that, but he does have elite speed. He's pretty shifty. If I had to compare him to a former Auburn player, I'd almost maybe compare him to like Ryan Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. he's pretty fast he's pretty shifty so I think this coaching staff really likes what they've got there with Tarvarish. so when you say he's fast are we talking about
2: quick or is he a burner because Ryan Davis you could you could run down in the open
3: field yeah I would say he's more of a burner Um, okay he will he will get past the defensive backs he will find a way to get past them Um, Ryan Davis comparison more so just comes from I think he can shift back and forth a little bit but he he is faster than Ryan Davis. So so outside of Demetrius
2: Robertson, then, uh, who who who's the next wide receiver you think in line? I know you said not not a whole lot of uh significant moves have been made,
3: but but who's your next guy up after that? I would probably look at Elijah Canyon. Um he was the guy that he had that standout bowl game and then he stood out in the spring and then in the A-day game, and he's probably been the best out of that crew he hasn't really stood out you know it's minuscule it's just a little bit he's taken a little bit more than those other guys they're all very close but i would probably look at elijah canyon as that number two behind demetrius
1: now is he okay i know he i think he was he was he got injured after the first scrimmage was that is any truth to that or is he is he good to go
3: i believe he is still a little banged up so right now they're working with some other guys they're working with zavion capers um Looking at Javarius Johnson a little bit, Malcolm Johnson, even Shedrick Jackson is getting in the mix a little bit. So I believe Elijah is still a little bit banged up, but should be getting better soon here.
1: Well, it's funny, uh, people have made note of what your comments, they're they're running an
2: actual offense now. Um. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I, the system, uh, I'll, I'll, Chris, I have so many questions for you, man. Uh, in terms of the system, you know, uh, I know we've been hearing things about them starting to pick it up, but but what is your sense about if you had to rate it one to ten, how well are these guys picking up Brian Harson's system?
3: Ooh, um, I'll go with a I'll go with like six and a half. Mm. I don't think they've fully gotten it yet, and I would say maybe seven as they've fully gotten it, and then from seven on, they're really excelling in it. I don't think they've fully gotten it yet, but they're starting to get there now.
0: All right. So wait, let me let me ask you something. I, I want to get some personal opinion here. All right. Because I know you're a sports writer and you guys are supposed to stay objective. All right. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to ask you anything that I have fans at your neck. But what I do want to know is of all the games on Auburn's schedule
3: this season,
0: which one do you think we could win that nobody would really pick us to win?
3: Hmm. You know, I would probably say I'm deciding between two here. I'm deciding between the LSU game and I'm deciding between the Alabama game. There's something about, there's just something about a home Mm. iron bowl where it's Brian Harson's first shot at it. Fans are back in the stands. There's something about it in an Alabama situation where they do have a new quarterback. Obviously they still have an incredible amount of talent over there, but they do have a new quarterback. So deciding between those two, I think more people would give Auburn a chance in the LSU game, even though they have been horrendous playing at LSU. This is a new coach and staff though. So more likely situation for me would be the LSU game that Auburn can go to LSU and win that game. But I do kind of very, very small. I like Auburn's chances a little bit in that Iron Bowl this year. Mm, I like that. So I am
2: with you. I agree
3: with you. Yeah, them. I, you know,
0: it's, I mean, it's I, so I cool
2: you're talking about the Iron Bowl, but if there was any year they're going to do it, this would be a prime year because they're 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 starting a new quarterback, and I know everybody's high on them, and they haven't really busted a quarterback in quite a while, but like. um You know, there's some new things happening there. And with our all-time great defense that we're going to fill this year, they've got a shot, right? Um, So I I have a question for you, just kind of going back to, you know, I mean, as the season rounds in and we're getting close, uh, we have not, you know, uh, Harson said, if the season started tomorrow, Bo would start. But that's not exactly saying that's my guy, right? So what is Mm -hmm. just, I got to get you on record, Christian, um (laughs) does uh does does Bo finish the season as Auburn's starting
3: quarterback or how do you feel about this you know I personally think Bo starts and finishes the season as a starting quarterback it could be a situation where there's a game or two in there that TJ ends up starting you know maybe like an Arkansas game or Mm -hmm. uh, Ole Miss or whatever but like I mentioned earlier I just do not think TJ Finley can survive behind this offensive line that's fair I I really like T.J. Finley, and these coaches really like him. He's perfect for their system. The problem is the old staff did not leave them good enough talent at the offensive line position to be able to run the system that they want to, at least right away.
1: Do you think that Demetrius Davis redshirts, or because of that, he actually gets an opportunity to get some action as a backup?
3: Should they need a, a change of pace QB? You know, I I think he'll probably end up redshirting. It could be a situation. It is very possible, though, where, you know, Bo struggles. They go to TJ. He dies behind that offensive line. And then they (laughs) go to Demetrius to try and mix things up a little bit. So, he certainly could uh, end up playing out the season, at least getting a look at starting quarterback. But I personally don't really expect it.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing that saves Finley behind that line are quick releases. Mm Mm-hmm uh um you know uh
1: it'll be heavy run, yeah, run every run heavy with him and then play action to keep the defense honest
2: right yeah the 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 d b uh, the uh wide receivers are gonna have to win their matchups quickly, yeah, and you know the timing and the chemistry is gonna have to be really good for him to survive behind this offensive line if they don't take steps forward, i think, so I agree with you one hundred percent, I think that's what keeps Finley off the field unless it's an emergency. You know, uh, give Bo that. Listen, he can extend a play. What we want for him is for his decision-making to get better after he extends. And if he can do that, I think that Bo has a fantastic season.
3: Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I mean, I've always been, not necessarily a Bo defender, but I think Bo has been dealt a little bit of a bad hand at Auburn between the offensive line the development of quarterbacks from the previous staff and whatnot. If Bo can just make, he just needs to make some minimal improvements that'll really help his game. So, and that's all that coaching staff really wants out of him. They want to be a run first offense. So he can just do a couple more of the small things, right. I think Auburn will be good.
0: I think I, I compared him to Kellen Mond's 2020 season. Like that's what we need. We need, we, we kind of, I, maligned kellen yeah. mon for every year he was the AM starter and then he surprised the heck out of me last year and i think that's kind of what we need from Bo. we need we're gonna have the solid defense we think we got the running back we think we got an offensive line that can run block well enough to get that outstanding back some yards you just have to make the throws when they're there and don't give it away is is that a, a fair enough assessment
3: yeah, I 100% agree with that. I haven't really heard the Kellen Mon comparison, but that's a fantastic <laughs> comparison for his Kellen Mond's last year. That's a fantastic comparison. Thank you. I got a compliment. Thank you. Y'all's comparison weren't as good as mine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, you
1: got anything else, man?
2: Yeah. Go watch for the record tomorrow because everything that we're saying about quarterbacks and Kellen Mon, we covered all that. It was a fantastic segment that we did, just talking about uh, everything quarterback in the SEC and what we can look forward to. So, you know, if you're an insider, uh, you are going to get that segment tomorrow. Uh, We gave you guys a little bit of a tease. Um, We released some uh, for the record, our very first for the record, uh, for everybody to kind of watch as the season rounds in and that information becomes more irrelevant. So um, if you missed the sneak peeks that we uh, gave you guys, you have another opportunity to go back and watch that for the record, we talked about recruiting spend, Christian, and um, how we've been outspent uh, two to one by our rivals in the conference. I think uh, Auburn, $900,000 in 2019, 2.8 and 2.6 by Bama and Georgia. I mean, they're yep. just covering more ground than we are. So they're spending more money. Um, and these, these for the records have been some really, while, while we're doing it, my eyes, I'm shocked. Sometimes I'll do this. I'll bounce it over to Isaac uh, to do the graphics for me, and he'll be and so he cannot believe the stats that he's looking at sometimes. So call and be like, "Man, I had no idea Kellen Mond was that good last year." Mm-hmm. Right, and again, when you look at the advanced statistics, uh, you know he you you see why they he got drafted. And I right. think uh, you know, I think these on target. I think that if we get that sort of season from Bo. Midseason, we'll be sitting here talking playoff. I do believe because that's how good our defense is going to be. Playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll playoffs? be sitting here talking playoffs. So, shout out to Christian for coming on to, to keep us up to date on recruiting. Christian, I can't tell you it's so hard to keep up with what these eighteen-year-olds <laughs> are are thinking. <laughs> you know, really. So, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you, thank you for coming on and sharing
1: your knowledge thank as well, you. man. We we definitely appreciate it. And guys, we appreciate you for hanging out with us, spending time on your Wednesday night with us to just talk Auburn football, hang out with the community. And if you believe in this community, guys, please do us a favor and share this video. We're nearing football season 10 days out and people are searching high and low for Auburn content. So, guys, be the source of information for them and share this video so they'll know that we have great content out here leading into the football season. Be sure to use hashtag get your weight up. Please be sure to smash this like the like on the video on the way out. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're on social media, particularly Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at the war report. And if you like the TikTok and you've been watching these crate challenges and you want to take some time to check us out there, be sure to hit us at TW report. That's it for now, guys. Be sure to have a great week. We will see you on the weekend tailgate. But until then, and as always, War Eagle.
2: War Eagle. War Eagle.